In your bulletin, you see an outline for James chapter 4. That's where you'll be turning to. And while you're doing that, let me remind you again to remember Pearl and Jesse in your prayers for in the morning. Obviously, it'll be kind of a cold and uh, uh, icy morning, but uh, we'll meet uh, in Leavenworth at the cemetery at uh, 10 in the morning for a graveside service for the family. So appreciate your, your prayers for that. And then uh, uh, Mary Hudson asked tonight for prayer for her uh, little granddaughter, 13 years old, who's in emergency tonight with some pains, and they have to figure out what that is. And so just uh, uh, something that uh, they're looking at tonight. Not life-threatening, evidently, but anyway. Uh, pray for her 13 years old to go to the emergency room that's kind of scary isn't it <laughs> so so pray for her uh, this this uh, passage of scripture this will be the third time in a week that I've uh, turned to this passage uh, last week we looked at it as a Sunday school class and then I spoke to a pastor's prayer breakfast Tuesday morning and uh, I use these verses also and then when I realized that what we were going to uh, move our our get-together tonight here, I thought this would be a good uh, passage to look at for tonight, too, and uh, uh, it'll, uh, I hope, be a good devotional thought uh, that we have tonight. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Go to now, or come now, even. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain or make a profit. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your uh, life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Or as the New King James has that, now you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. Therefore to him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You notice on your outline I have some thoughts about this. You can imagine James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And uh, these Jews were being scattered all over the world uh, in the diaspora uh, to the north and as far uh, west as Rome. And so as they went, they had to make money. And they were good at it. And uh, where they went, they uh, took their business with them. And so they had lots of plans and so forth. We see a few of those in the New Testament, like Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers, and they had gone clear to Rome, then back to Corinth, and then to Ephesus, and uh, and so forth. Josephus says that by this time, there were already Jewish bankers in Alexandria, Egypt, the, the principal city of that part of the world, and they were already down there controlling the banking. So, uh James had a real uh, issue on his hands to talk to these Jewish believers as they are scattered all over the world, uh, things that they ought to think and ought not to think. So I want you to notice uh, what he says to these merchants. And by the way, being a merchant, uh, being a business person, having something to sell, you sell it. Maybe it's even just your time and expertise, but maybe you have a product you sell. Nothing in the world wrong with that. And James is not at all criticizing a business person. As a matter of fact, they're good. And the Lord uses business as illustration in his parables in the, in the Gospels all the time, uh, just like Paul uses sports and military things. Uh, these are good professions. And so 
uh, James isn't at all saying don't be a business person, but obviously he's saying when you do, think this way. So maybe uh, you're not all in business right now. Maybe you are. Maybe you have a job. Maybe you're retired, whatever. But all of these points here help us to think ahead into a new year. Number one, verse 13, here is a description of a plan without God. And this is what James is warning uh, all of us about when he says, go to now. <laughs> but the same Greek word is translated come and go. <laughs> so one translation may say uh, go to now and another may say come now. It's exact, from the exact same Greek word ago, which means to come or go. You get the idea. We say sometimes come on now. Listen to this. So go to now. You that say... And, and notice uh, the elements in this plan without God. There's a time element, right? Today or tomorrow. We'll go there for a year. You know, we plan around time. We all have schedules to keep, and, and we, we, we live by 24-hour days and months and years and so forth. And so it's easy for us to say, well, this is what I'm going to do this year. Matter of fact, this is what I'm going to do today or tomorrow. So there's a time element and a place as well. We will go into such and such city, continue there. So uh, I know where I'm going to go. I know uh, that I'll land over there. That's where I'll be. There's a method to this plan, and that is we're going to buy and sell. Uh, that word buy and sell, uh, by the way, uh, is the word emporium. Remember that old word we used to use for like a dime store or a drug store was called an emporium. That actually is the Greek word, the emporium. I'm going to buy and sell. That's my business. That's what I do. And then there's a result in this plan also. I'm going to make a profit. I'm going to get gain. And so uh, here they were uh, planning these things. But as James makes it clear to us, it's a plan without considering God yet. Do we enter into things like that in our lives? Uh, consider it. The, our, the time we use, the places we go, the methods that we do this with, and even what we expect as results, but we have never once gone to God and said, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And so you get the point here, right? And, as, as, uh, you know, maybe uh, if you're a business person, you would be sitting down now in early January making out your plan for the year. And you'd be looking, you'd be evaluating the last year and wondering where you were and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do in the new year. So secondly, James says quickly, there are two things to know. Actually, it's a negative and a positive. There's one thing. Uh, that you don't know, and one thing that you do know. And here's what he says. You know not what shall be on the morrow. In other words, you, what you don't know is the future. As a matter of fact, you don't know, even know tomorrow, much less a year from now, if you're making plans for a whole year uh, or a month or a week. You don't even know about tomorrow, do you? Uh, we have no guarantees about that. And so uh, he says... Uh, be careful even about tomorrow. And, and folks, God does know the future, and you and I don't. How, how often do we know that truth in the Scripture? God knows the future, and God knows what His will for you is in the future. That's why it would be such a wrong thing to make a plan without even consulting the one who knows the future about it. But we do that all of the time, too.
uh, we don't know when we'll live or die. Remember, uh, uh, many, I remember C.S. Lewis in his writings say, uh, you know, 100% of us are going to die, and you can't change that percentage. <laughs> but what we don't know is when or how. We may not even live tomorrow. And later down in this passage, of course, he's going to say in verse 15, you ought to say if the Lord wills, we will even live tomorrow. We don't know that either. So we need to ask God about that. But here's something you do know, and that's in the, and also in verse 14. What is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. What you do know is that life is brief. Life is short. And even if God gives you 70 or 80 or more years, that's still pretty brief compared to, uh, you know, in everything in this world, isn't it? And so you do know that. Now, you know, back in chapter 1, verse 10 of this book of James, he warned the rich people this way. He said, but the rich rejoice when he's made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. You know, if, you, if all of your life is about riches, the only thing you care about is getting money and getting rich, uh, boy, your life is so short and that's it and that's all you cared about, all you prepared for. So he's already uh, hinted at this. But here he says your life is a vapor. I was interested in this word and I, I looked at it and, and uh, you know, the, the Bible ha has a lot to say about the shortness of our life. For example, here's a couple of verses and there are many of them. Psalm 78, 39, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. A breeze you feel through the trees, it kind of chills you and then it's gone. That's what your life is. Or Hosea 13.3, consider what this minor prophet said. Therefore, they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff, uh, chaff that uh, is driven with the wind from the threshing floor, as the smoke out of a chimney. <laughs> you ever see the smoke rise out of a chimney and then all of a sudden it just disappears into the air? All of those things describe our life. You know, when we're, when we're 18 and 21, we don't think of life this way, do we? I, we've got years and years to go. Boy, long life uh, and everything. But, uh, you know, when you're 70 and 80 and up in there, you're thinking, where did it all go? It went by so quickly. And so what is your life? It is a vapor. And by the way, that, that word vapor comes from the word breath. The root of that word is breath. Like when you speak, your breath comes out. For example, in, in 1 Corinthians 14.9, Paul is, is talking about people who speak uh, without the knowledge of God and speak in tongues without the knowledge of God. He says, likewise, except you utter by the tongue words to easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. Literally, you breathe into the air, and it's the same word for vapor. <laughs> Just a, when you speak, you feel the breath coming out of your mouth, and then it's gone. So we get the point, don't we? Life is short. Those are two things to know. You don't know how long it will be. You don't even know what's on tomorrow. But this you do know. Your life is brief. Use it for God's glory. 
Do things even in your business that would honor and glorify God and be a testimony to him. You only have one life, folks. You don't get another chance at it. Uh, and that's one thing when we get older, we, we can regret that. Or we can even stop where we are and say, well, whatever time I have left, I'm going to use for God's glory. And we, if we did that when we were young, life would be much better for us. Thirdly, there's something you ought to say. So verse 15, he says, for you ought to say. Or literally, it could be, instead, say this. <laughs> Don't say, I'm going to go there. I'm going to spend this much time. This is what I'm going to do. This is the result I'm going to get. Here's what you ought to be saying. And this is, of course, a good word to all of us. And that is in verse 15, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. What is God's will for you? As I said, God knows. You know, remember Jesus in Matthew 10 said, there isn't a sparrow that falls to the ground without God's will. God knows the intricacies of this world. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows uh, all of these. He knows the, the, and all the stars and calls them by name. God who knows all of these things, you ought to be consulting about, Lord, what is it? that I could do that fits into your plan or that I would do that you would be pleased with because surely that will be better. Surely that will be more profitable in my life. So he says, if it's the Lord's will, we may even live. <laughs> That's a scary thought, isn't it? You really don't know. You don't know when that's going to happen. And, and you know, now that we live in a 24-7 news cycle, and it seems like we can see things that happen almost instantly all over the world, we are just bombarded with death, aren't we? I mean, we see uh, accidents. We see uh, uh, violence. We see wars. We see bombings. We see uh, attacks and all of that almost uh, instantly when they happen. And so we don't know if we're going to live or not. We really don't know that. And we don't know exactly uh, what our plans are going to be. Lord, if it be your will, let me live or do this or that. If this is what you want, then work it out that way. And if you change my plans, give me the wisdom to know you're changing it. And help me to see, as I was speaking about this morning, you know, in Paul's life, that even if it doesn't go the way I wanted, or it goes a harder way. Let me see why that is your plan and how that fits into your plan. So we ought to say, if the Lord wills. You remember that in Paul's second missionary journey, when he left Jerusalem and went up into Galatia again, and he was going across Galatia, today's Turkey, I always think of him walking across Turkey, walking across Turkey. I flew across Turkey one time from Istanbul down to Antalya with uh, Sam, and, and, and that's like flying over the Rocky Mountains. I mean, for hundreds of miles, you're going across Turkey, and somewhere there's a Mount Ararat in that land, you know, with an ark on it somewhere. But, I mean, you see that, and then I think to myself, Paul's just strolling across these mountains on foot back and forth and back and forth. What a guy he was. But he got to a junction in the road, and he's saying to himself, and he's right, Ephesus is the best place to plant a church on this continent, over there at the port city. And my left turn will take me right down the river road, down the mountain, 
come right out at Ephesus. Lord, that's where I'm going. Acts 16 says, and the Holy Spirit suffered him not. No, don't go that way. Oh, okay. Goes down the road a little farther. He gets to the next junction in the road. He can turn right and go to Bithynia. He speaks that language. That's his home territory. Lord, I'm going to go there because I'll be great there. I, I'll be able to preach. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit said, no, keep going. He gets all the way down to Troas to the middle of nowhere, the end of the world. And he's saying, what in the world does God want for me to do? And then that night, he gets what we call the Macedonian vision. Come over into Macedonia and help us. And he says, oh, now I realize how God was leading me. But see, it took two no's for him to understand that that was God's leading. And now he says, that's where he wants us to go. So immediately they went right to Philippi. So we learn that lesson if we're smart. And James says, uh, ask what the Lord wants. Then verse 16 again, here is some boasting that we do. He says, but your problem is you rejoice in your boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. Again, I know the new King James has you boast in your arrogance. The word boasting and rejoicing we have as synonyms in English and the same Greek word is sometimes translated one way and sometimes the other way. So you can see why boasting is rejoicing and rejoicing is boasting. Rejoicing in this sense would not be good. It's kind of I'm rejoicing in myself. I'm look at me. I make a profit. I'm a great businessman. I I uh, make uh, you know six-figure incomes and I do all of this. You're rejoicing in it in a boastful way. But that word uh, at the end in the New King James, arrogant, you're, you're boasting uh, all set, uh, in your arrogance, excuse me. That's a good word. That word arrogance is an interesting word. It's used only a couple times in the New Testament, and one place it is used is in 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and arrogance. But there it's translated the pride of life. You see why it's arrogance. You uh, are so great. You can make things happen. You can make a profit. You can be the best. And it's arrogance to think like that. Pride of life. And so he says, when you boast this way without thinking about God, that's arrogance. And it, by the way, is evil to think like that. To think that you're in control and not God. To think really that you, you can make things work out right without even considering what God wants? God who knows everything and controls everything? And so lastly, he says in verse 17, and I, I put kind of a concluding remark there on my notes, do what you know to do. Okay, verse 17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. A lot of people have a cross-reference to Proverbs 3.27 there. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in your pow the power of your hand to do it. If you know to do good and you withhold it in the power of your hand, that is sin. Well, what I'm saying here uh, in addition to that is, you may not know everything to do. That's one of the difficulties of our life before God. We don't always know what God's will is, and we don't exactly know whether we should have gone here or gone there. But here's the point, I think. When you do know, 
and you know what God would rather have you do, you know what's right and you know what's wrong, then do what you know is right to do. In those things, we sh there shouldn't be a question. In those things, uh, anything else would be boasting and, and be the pride of life. So do what you know to do. Verse 17 is often called the sin of omission, right? We have sins of commission and we have sins of omission. We usually, uh, you know, think about sins of commission. I better not do that. I better not commit that sin. I better not commit this. But we don't often think about what we neglect to do as sin, do we? Matter of fact, check, you know, I was thinking of my own prayer life. I hope you have a time daily when you go before God and you say, Lord, uh, how did I do yesterday? And forgive me for that. Forgive me for this, uh, for my words there that weren't kind or whatever it is. But how often do we say, Lord, what did I not do that I should have done? You know, we just don't think that way as much as we should. And yet probably there are many sins of omission in our lives. What person should I have witnessed to that I didn't witness to? What word could I have said that I didn't say? And those kinds of things. And so here we are, and, and uh, if we know to do it's right, we should do it. And so in these, in these uh, five verses, I think there's a, there's a great message for us at the beginning of the year that we ought to think about. Let's do God's will and let's do what we ought say what we ought to say and let's think the way we ought to think and let's do what we know is right to do and i think we'll be uh off on the right foot uh in the new year all right stand with me if you will we stand and and uh, think about these things we'll sing a song of invitation in just a minute now father uh this passage means so much to us every year as we think about James's words, inspired words by your Spirit, and we know that they're for us also. So help us each individually, Father. Uh, sometimes uh, those of us in older age, we think, well, we don't have a whole lot of time left to plan. Maybe we're retired or whatever. But, Father, you have a whole life yet for us. You have days and years yet for us, if it's your will. So help us, Father, to walk in your will. And uh, those among us who have many, many years left to serve you, Father, may they make wise decisions. May they, may they contemplate on what you would have them to do. And may they learn how to walk with you and trust you for direction. So bless now as we think about these things. Be glorified in them. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.